today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Ottawa is the place to be today because the federal budget is uh, going on. Now, four o'clock this afternoon, the finance minister uh, will stand up in the House of Commons and deliver the budget. This will be the last budget uh, before the well upcoming federal election, really, uh, which is going to be in October. So. Uh, as per usual, governments, sitting governments, tried to uh, throw in many goodies and uh, good news uh, items at us as, as possible, I guess, in this situation. They're in a budget lockup in Ottawa right now. Uh, anybody who's covering the budget is in a room, and they, they have to surrender cell phones and everything else. I've been through that myself a few times, and it's a rather interesting process. But what can we expect, and what kind of an impact it's going to have on you, me, and uh, on the local economies, and, of course, on the national economy? Marvin Ryder, business professor at the Good School of Business at McMaster University, joins us to uh, dissect this and talk about this and I guess do a little uh, uh, crystal balling here, too. How are you this morning, Marvin? I'm fine, thank you. And, and like you, Bill, we're not in a lockup, so we are free to speculate all we want. Well, uh, but as per usual, uh, there's always leaks about what might be in this. When I, I find this interesting, Marvin. I mean, for you know people that go back as far as I do anyway, uh, there were times where you could go to jail if you leaked any budget items at all because of the impact it might have on the markets. Now we know most of this stuff about three or four days ahead of time. <laughs> and some of that is self-leaked. In other words, what often the government yeah. does is make announcements ahead of the budget so there really aren't any surprises. Let, let me start this way, if you can, Bill. The, 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 as you correctly said, this is the budget the Liberals are going to take into the federal election, so this should have many of their key platform planks already embedded in it. Uh, having said that to you, though, I suspect the first thing the budget's going to try to establish is, to use a term from Pierre Trudeau, the land is strong, meaning that after four years of the Liberals, look at all the jobs we've created, look at the low unemployment rates. Sure, we've run up some deficits, but, you know, the economy's doing pretty well, thank you very much, and take a bow. Then the second thing they're going to do is often reannounce things they've already announced. Last fall, in what was to be billed as an economic update, usually sort of a halfway, here's where things are looking at halfway through the year, they announced some uh, tax relief for businesses. This was primarily in response to Donald Trump's new tax program and also all the tariffs that he was putting on Canadian business. <clears throat> so the Liberals announced in October that they were going to start to reduce uh, uh, tax rates for some corporations, specifically smaller businesses, and they'll reiterate that. So there'll be a lot of reiteration. In terms of something new, if you're if you're sitting out there looking for some big gift, uh, don't don't look to this budget because uh, even though they're going to tell you their budget deficit this year is much less than it was projected last year. Last year at this time, eighteen billion dollars was the projected deficit. I would not be surprised to see a number around $16 billion, maybe even just under $16 billion. There still is a gigantic deficit. So if you think they're going to announce you know, cutting your tax rates in half, don't expect that. But I suspect there will be little goodies, in many cases things that don't cost them any money. But again, to give you a quick example of that, there's a, uh, a lot big rumor that today, for whatever reason, Minister Morneau is going to talk about a technology deficit, the difference between cities and the countryside, some people in the cities have high, high, high-speed Internet. Bell is announcing gig-speed in Toronto, and yet if I'm out in the country, I'm lucky to get meg-speed Internet. So they're going to announce something that over the next 10 years, they promise to bring more technology to, to Canada. Two things about the promise. Much of that's going to be done with private sector money, so it doesn't cost them anything. And the second thing is it's going to be spread out over many years. In essence, they're going to hold a, a pledge that unless you re-elect us, maybe those other people won't make this a priority. I expect to hear a lot of that today. Yeah, and uh, they're not going to include Huawei in that, are they? 
Well, who knows? You Actually, know, we, you and I have talked about that. This, this is the, the conundrum that the government's facing. Obviously, the, the arrest of the CEO or the CFO, rather. But Huawei is firmly entrenched already in, in, the, in the tech business here in this country. I mean, they sell a lot of phones, obviously, but they're intimately uh, connected with, uh, with the, the current network that's here right now, too. It's going to be pretty hard to just simply just tell those guys to go away. Well, what we're what we're talking about or alluding to, Bill, is in the next generation of yeah. cell phones is called the five G network, yeah. fifth generation network, and Huawei in many countries around the world is an equal player to other established technology people, whoever you want to pick on, Samsung, Apple, whoever it is, they're they're there and they're doing it in other countries around the world. Australia took the unusual move of announcing that Huawei would not be part of their 5G rollout. The United States is hinting that they're going to do the same thing, and they're putting pressure on Canada. On the other hand, for us, you know, the more people who are playing in this space, the more we're either going to get good prices or other different approaches to the technology. It is a dilemma for them. They won't go into that today. They're simply going to say, you know, elect us, and we're going to keep pushing technology down the road. Yeah, except that the thing that I think a lot of people in the industry and a lot of consumers would like to see them do uh, is open the market up so that we could have competition, like Verizon from south of the border or something like that. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, uh, yes and no. So I don't think that'll be part of today's budget. But remember, again, we have this gentleman south of the border named Trump who uh, uh, likes to confuse things by putting tariffs, what have you. You know, we want those tariffs on steel and aluminum to go away. Uh, one way to do that would be to say, let's swap those out for some quotas. We'll cap the maximum amount of Canadian steel and aluminum going into the states, but another might be to to give Donald Trump something else. You know, you take those off, maybe we'd be welcoming Verizon in to compete in the market space. You know, anything is possible with Mr. Trump and and any government, whether it's this government or if Andrew Scheer forms a government or Jagmeet Singh, they're all going to have to deal with that man south of the border. So don't rule anything out. A uh, couple of other things, and and again, we're into the speculative aspect of this right now. We'll get the the hardened facts, I guess, at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, and, and to their credit, you said, you know, they want to try to raise the flag up on some of the things they've done. And, and, and one of them was the enhanced child uh, benefit, of course, that Absolutely. has really paid off and it's, it's given us the lowest poverty rate in 10 years. So pat on the back to that. But they also say a speculation here is that uh, they want to do something for first-time home buyers. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that. I mean, exactly what tools do they have left to do this? I mean, the obvious things you'd like to see is, well, lower interest rates. I don't know that's going to happen. That's really not within their purview anyway. That's the Bank of Canada that could do that. Uh, incentives, I don't know, rebates. So there's, there's not a whole lot left right. in the toolkit here, is there? No. So uh, they're in this this quandary, this dilemma. You might recall that over the last four years, we had some very heated housing markets in Vancouver, in Toronto, and yes, even here in Hamilton, in which prices were just soaring on homes, making already expensive homes even less affordable for first-time buyers, usually in their 20s and 30s, people in that age bracket. Uh, what we did is we said, look, we're worried that people are loading up on debt, so we put in what are called stress tests. Let's make sure you're not taking on more debt than you can handle, that you'll suddenly have to declare bankruptcy or, or turn your house over to the market. We don't want that. We, we took steps to eliminate long, long-term amortizations, you know, 40-year amortizations, 35-year amortizations, capped it at 25. Same thing with central mortgage and housing that uh, or excuse me, Canada, Canada Mortgage and their uh, guaranteeing of mortgages. They had to be of up to 25 years. They wouldn't guarantee anything past that. And I just don't see them reversing all that. So what will they throw at first-time homebuyers? I suspect a couple of things. The first might be uh, some changes, further changes to how much money you could take out 
of an RRSP to put towards a mortgage and particularly a down payment on a house. As well, there might be, they could come around with some kind of a tax credit for first-time home buyers that, uh, that does something. It might be a tax credit equal to, say, the uh, uh, property taxes that you pay for the first two, three, five years of home ownership. They could come in within some kind of a tax increase. Doesn't change the price of the home, doesn't shake up the market, doesn't cause prices to suddenly go spiraling, but flip side, does make it maybe a little bit easier for a first-time home buyer in the market. Uh, again, expect lots and lots of rhetoric on this and a lot of, you know, we're here to support the middle class and make a difference, but no, you're right, there are not a whole lot of tools left in the toolkit. Yeah, there was a, a previous government, I, I, I guess about 15, 20 years ago, that did that whole thing about first rebates for first-time home buyers, uh, which was not a bad idea. Or the other one, as you say, to tap into some of your other thing. But that's basically saying you can touch some more of your own money. You can't have ours. Well, exactly, because, again, they don't have a lot of their own money to pass around. Again, I think they're going to be announcing a deficit for the current year, the year that's ending March 31, of maybe around $16 billion. They are not going to tell you that the budget is going to be balanced anytime soon, certainly not in the next five years. But I'm sure they're also going to try to say next year's deficit will be a little less um, let's call it $15.5 billion with fingers crossed that it might come in closer to 15 or 14 They are a long ways from balancing. They can't just give out these big-ticket items. The other one that uh, has been kicked around since about 1964 here, and, and uh, we're told that there's going to be some mention of this, is the National Pharmacare Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, i got to figure this is just going to be a, 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 a reference point to this, Marvin. I mean, that's, that's a very complex problem and, and, and situation and solution to this. It's going to take a long time to roll something like that out. It's, it's uh, complicated, it takes a long time, and it can also be very expensive. So you might remember what Kathleen Wynne did here in Ontario around Pharmacare, she decided, and I thought this was very interesting, this was her approach, she said, I'm going to make sure that the youngest people out there are getting their drugs appropriately. And so she introduced a a plan to give people, I think it was up to age 18, it might have been age 21, access to their medications with no cost. Uh, I suspect what the liberals are going to do is the other way around. Who uses the most drugs? Our seniors, and that's not, I'm not trying to pick on them. You know, we all age and we need a little more help to maintain ourselves as we get a little bit older. Uh, also, there are lots of statistics out there to suggest that there are some seniors who have perhaps not adequately prepared for retirement and therefore they're finding it hard to make ends meet. If you're trying, truly trying to help everybody in the middle class, not just the young, that would be something they could announce. I suspect, again, though, Bill, it will be a multi-year announcement. In other words, you know, we're going to launch a pharmacare program for seniors in 2020. Oh, you'll have to re-elect us if you want to get this, and then it'll be rolled out over X number of years. We'll start with this kind of a drug, and then the next year we'll expand it, we'll expand it, we'll expand it. I, I think you'll hear that kind of an announcement so that if you're looking for a reason to vote for them, and I'm older, it's not just I'm not throwing goodies just at the young. I hear something for you as well. Skills training is another thing that has come up uh, time and time again uh, with the changing economy. We've got people that are 30, 35 years old that all of a sudden they're looking for work. It's pretty difficult for them to go back to, re- to get retrained. Or 40 or 45. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think what the liberals are going to try to do is uh, one of these budgets with a little something for everybody. We talked about housing for the 20s and 30s. We've talked about pharmacare for those in their 60s and 70s. What have I got for the people in the 30s, 40s, and 50s? So this will be a new idea as well. I think they're going to propose some kind of a 
personal savings account. Uh, now, the interesting question is whether you're going to get some matching dollars from the federal government if you make a deposit or whether the money will grow tax-free or you'll even get a, a write-off if you put money into your personal training savings account, and they'll come up with a snazzy name for it. Uh, in the United States, uh, the government there actually allows people to create a health savings account that you can put money in in case one day you have some sort of a disastrous health code come, you build up a little bank to cover it. In this case, it is a training uh, bank account that at some point, and if you believe the statisticians, they say that as we introduce artificial intelligence, what have you, the jobs of today won't be the jobs of 30 years from now. So at some point, you're going to need to go and get something, whether it's a degree or a certificate or some kind of retraining. And rather than just you know, shrugging your shoulders and saying, how am I supposed to do this? Uh, the thinking is that they might create this savings account that will let you to build a nest egg. And the other little wrinkle they might do is put in something around um, unemployment insurance that would allow you to take time off work to get this training and yet not be penalized. So there might be some little benefit you can apply there as well. Listen, we know obviously the opposition party's job is to oppose, and, and they're going to start raking the government over the coals about this, and, and probably about the deficit. That, that seems to be pretty fair game these days. But I, I got a question, though. Given the fact that the previous government had nine years of deficits, uh, this government has done the same kind of governing. Uh, most of us are in debt up to our eyeballs right now. Does, does this even resonate? I know I have, I'm this is I'm going on dangerous ground here to asking an economist this, but I'm, I mean, is this really a, such a big deal to the average Canadian now? Does this resonate with them, or they just say debt? Yeah, who's who doesn't have debt? Who doesn't have debt? So, uh, what I think what you're going to hear from the opposition people is not blaming the Liberals for having debt, but for shirking their promise. So if I can roll the tape back to 2015, in that campaign, the Liberals said, yeah, we're going to run deficits. You want to believe it. We're going to roll deficits. But, and this is what they said, they're going to be capped at a maximum of $10 billion a year. And five, four years ago, they said by 2019, we'll be balanced. So they're going to bring those pledges out and say, first, you didn't keep it to $10 billion. You were almost $20 billion a year. And at this point, 2019, you have no plan to get us back to balance. That's what they're going to jump on. They're not going to jump on the fact there's been a deficit, because frankly, I can't see any way they would not have run some kind of a deficit as well over these last few years. But they're going to hammer them that you violated your promises. And that's always the concern. You might remember our good friend, the late George H.W. Uh, Bush, who said, read my lips, no new taxes. And then he introduced some new taxes, and people said, you lied. That's what they're going to try to get Justin on, that you lied. Not that you said you weren't going to run deficits. You said you'd do it, and you did. It was the size of the deficits and that you have no plan to get us back to balance. So, again, I think a good question to ask in the future campaign is, well, then what is your plan around deficits, Jagmeet Singh or Andrew Scheer? What, what are you planning to do on those circumstances as well? To your general point, though, um, I think what the liberals are going to counter with is to say, yes, we've run some debt, but if you look at our debt-to-GDP ratio, in other words, how much debt can this country carry, it's actually fallen. Even though they've run these big deficits, it's fallen. Their target was to keep it up to 30%, and it's below 30%. Um, and they're saying, look, this is just the debt. It's like a corporation. Every corporation has some leverage. You want to use your money wisely. We are not misusing debt. And that will play out, but I think the average person, their head will spin. They'll be much more interested in some little detail. What does this do for me? Okay, you've run a deficit, but what am I getting out of it? Oh, uh, here's the other little thing, Bill. Uh, both the NDP 
and the PCs have floated this balloon that uh, if you elect them this fall, they would eliminate the GST, not the whole HST, just the GST on energy. So on your home a natural gas bill, on your home electricity bill, and maybe even at the pump, there would still be some federal excise taxes, but you wouldn't pay GST. Uh, that is a, the kind of a thing that I could also see Bill Morneau doing today to give everybody a little something and say, you know, we'll, we'll eliminate that. Again, though, I would put it off to something like January 1st, 2019. So you have to reelect me if you want the goodie. Marvin Ryder at the DeGroote School of Business. I will talk later in the week and uh, talk about why none of this stuff actually happened. Okay. That's... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.